What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the podcast. I'm your host, Dave. You probably know that by now if you're a regular listener. And if you're not, I'm Dave. That was a weird intro. (laughs) Anyways, today we've got a, a lot of topics to talk about. The last podcast I did was back in what December at this point right before the uh, new year the new year's holiday so happy new year to you I hope you're having a good start to the year um, in this episode we're gonna be talking about a lot of things including an injury I currently have which sucks and spoiler it is not a running injury but it does affect my running in a pretty negative way we'll talk about that later we're gonna talk about this, the new Strava price increase, I'm sure you've heard about this. It's a really weird thing. I feel like I need to talk about that. We're also going to talk about some Garmin rumors, not just rumors though. And at the end of this podcast, we will take a bunch of Q&A from you, the listener. Before we get there though, I do want to thank the Patreon members and YouTube members of the podcast and YouTube channel. Without you, this would be a lot harder. So if you want to help support this podcast and what I'm doing here in the YouTube channel, check out the link at the bottom of the show notes and join the Patreon group. I'm doing a lot of new things over there. I posted a video the other day just to Patreon, uh, just kind of a behind the scenes thing, what's going on in the new studio, which I'm sitting in right now. It's not finished yet, but uh, we're getting there. And uh, yeah, Patreon's a great place. And if you want to be part of the community, check out the link at the bottom of the show notes. I also want to give a shout out to the merch store over at chasetosummit.com slash shop. If you're unaware, I've had a Black Friday discount code that's been going on way too long. We're going on into uh, early 2023. It's still active. I'm going to give it a few more days and then I'm probably going to disable that discount code because I don't really make any money on those. I'm just trying to, uh, you know, help you out. And if you wanted to get some merch, now's the time to do it. ChaseTheSummit.com slash shop. Use discount code BFCTS20 at checkout. That's BFCTS20 at checkout for 20% off your order. Okay. Now, with all the intro stuff out of the way, I feel like that gets longer every week, and I apologize for that. We've got to address the elephant in the room, and that's going to be my broken toe. (laughs) Now, if you follow me on Instagram, you've probably seen a couple of pictures of my toe, my bloody sock. And a lot of people asked, they messaged me, DM'd me on Instagram and said, what the heck happened? So I'm just going to tell you here. First of all, it's not a very exciting story. Unfortunately, uh, you know, I wish I had a more epic, harrowing story about how I broke my toe, but I do not. So here's the lowdown. If you've been following the podcast, you probably know I'm renovating our attic currently. It's currently framed. We've got electrical in. I'm sitting in here right now in an unfinished space. Um, but yeah, I was up here noodling around with our network drops. So we've got a bunch of Cat6 Ethernet cable drops. And I was going from each one with my laptop to test them individually out because I am a nerd. And I got to make sure I can communicate with the Chase the Summit server that's in the basement of our house. Anyways, I had my 16-inch MacBook Pro up on a ladder, like on the top rung of a ladder, just kind of precariously balanced on top of a ladder. I admit, probably not the best spot for it, but that's that's what I chose to do. And as you can imagine, 
I accidentally bumped the ladder, sending my very expensive laptop, 16-inch MacBook Pro M1 Max, plummeting to the floor at a high rate of speed. And that's when time itself slowed down. And I decided I need to do something before this thing hits the ground and breaks. So what did I decide to do? Take my fragile little feet, my, you know, size 10 and a half men's foot and put it in harm's way underneath that plummeting MacBook Pro laptop uh, to try to slow its descent as not to break my laptop. And what happened? Instead of my laptop breaking, I broke my big toe on my right foot. Yes, that's actually what happened. It's a very nerdy story, but that's the truth. So, uh, good news. The laptop survived, like, flawlessly. Not even a scratch on it, even though it landed on, you know, a plywood floor with nails and stuff on it. Uh, it survived. No issues there. Bad news. I broke my toe pretty terribly. <laughs> I don't think I've ever actually broken a toe before. I think I've had, like, you know... People call them stress fractures or whatever. This time around, it's a pr pretty traumatic break. Like my toe turned black, essentially. Uh, it's been bleeding for three days. It's like filled with blood like a water balloon. Sorry, getting kind of graphic, but I thought you'd be interested about this. Uh, and the weird thing is like when you have an injury like this, you don't think about the implications right away. I was like, ah, oh, whatever. You know, I'll suck it up. I'll be... I'll try to be a man and get through this without complaining too much. Uh, but then I realize I can't run. And I don't know if you're aware, but running's a big part of my life. So yeah, no running, no hiking, uh, no climbing, no skiing. And this, you know, the doctor I saw, I basically went to urgent care. Uh, I actually just put my shoes on and went to work thinking, you know what? I probably just bruised it. It's probably fine. Uh, but I was not fine. When I got to work, I was in excruciating pain, like really, really bad pain. And I was like, oh, something's really wrong. And then I noticed when I wiggled my toe, it was like clicking. And I'm pretty sure that was like the bones kind of grinding together because they're not attached anymore. Uh, yeah. And that kind of sent up a red, red flag for me. So I went to urgent care. They did an x-ray and confirmed that it is in fact broken. And the funny part is they wrote on my like discharge paperwork, man dropped laptop on toe. So that is my, my legacy now. But like I was saying, the big downside here is I cannot run. Um, the most I can do right now is walk to my kid's bus stop, which is about, I don't know, maybe a third of a mile from our house. Um, it, maybe a little bit more. And by the time I get back, I'm pretty pretty fatigued because I'm kind of compensating for that toe. Essentially I have to walk, like have my foot at an angle to keep that toe off the ground. So I'm really just leveraging the right side of my foot and walking really funny with a limp. Uh, but yeah, that's, it's the most air I can get right now. <laughs> I've considered hopping on the bike and, you know, just getting some cardio in. Haven't done that yet, but I'm sure I'll get there because this just happened like two days ago. Now today, toes feeling a little bit better, uh, not a ton of pain, but like if I just move it the right way or I'm walking up a flight of stairs and just ever so slightly bump it on a stair tread, it hurts really bad. And of course I've got four kids, four little kids who don't understand the concept of dad having a hurt foot 
So they just jump all over me and step on my foot. And yeah, I'm basically like guarding my foot throughout the day, including from the dog, because he can step on it too. So that is the story of the broken toe. And I'm pretty upset about it, uh, basically just from a running standpoint. And honestly, I was hoping to get some skiing in this year. Now, you know, I won't be, the doctor didn't give me a straight, straight up answer, like when I could start running and skiing and stuff. I'm just going to play it by ear and kind of listen to my body. And whenever I can walk without pain and jog without pain, um, you know, I'll just kind of level up gradually. So hopefully it heals up quick. Uh, but I'm assuming from what I read on the internet, six to eight weeks is pretty much standard for like full recovery. The doctor wanted me to call an orthopedic surgeon just to like confirm that it's healing correctly. I haven't done that yet. I'm not sure if I'm even going to, but it, you know, it is what it is at this point. Pretty big bummer. But, uh, you know, that's the story of the broken toe. Hope you enjoyed it. <laughs> that was 10 minutes of the podcast just talking about my broken toe. What else do we got? Well, like I mentioned, we've got the attic renovation going on. Uh, this is very exciting for me. It may not be for you, but I'll talk about it anyways, because I'm alone in my attic right now. So what's going on? I'm building a, a new YouTube studio in the attic of our new house. It's about like 900 square feet. It's a pretty big area. We've got a big storage area for miscellaneous items. We've got a, a, a smaller room that's like 15 by 15 that I'm going to use as kind of a podcast space for now. And then maybe down the road, one of my kids may uh, inherit it because right now they're sharing rooms. And then the main room is about 20 feet by 20 feet. And that's going to be like my main creative space. And I've been really obsessing over it lately, trying to figure out the best way to design it because I'd like to have like multiple sets and areas. And I don't know, I just want to make it a really inspiring, motivating and eye pleasing place to film and edit and stuff like that, because that's where it's all going to go down. So I'm very excited about that. We're going to start drywall tomorrow. So I think by maybe the end of next week, we'll be in a pretty good space or place to know what it's really going to look like. But for now, it's really just framed. We got the electrical in and uh, yeah, day by day, plugging away. I've done some of the work myself, but I also hired a lot of help because I have no time, unfortunately. Also, on the uh, topic of of running and stuff, the weather around here has been really weird. I don't know what it's like for the rest of the country or wherever you are in the world. But for me, I'm in Massachusetts. And here is a place where in late January, we typically have snow on the ground. And it's very cold out. And I'm looking out my window right now at leaves and grass and trees and no snow. It almost looks like late fall here still. We still have brown leaves on the ground and stuff. So really weird winter so far. We really haven't accumulated much snow at all. We got a few inches the other day. In the weather, like the cold, hasn't it hasn't really even been that cold. We've had a couple of days of like near zero, like a few weeks ago, but lately, uh, it's been like, you know, sweatshirt weather outside, you know, 30, 40, 50 degrees. And I don't know how I feel about that. I think 
part of me, you know, I'm, I like warm weather, but the other part of me feels like the world is ending. And I also kind of like the winter, you know, I like skiing, ice climbing, things like that. And without winter weather, we can't really do that. So kind of a weird thing. I'd be interested to know what your weather's like. And if you want to share that, I don't know how you do that. Maybe just hit me on Instagram. <laughs> okay, moving right along. I kind of want to just talk about some of the new stuff that I've got recently, because if you haven't noticed, I've been on a bit of a lull on YouTube. I've, I've only been doing like one video every three weeks, which is not great. I want to get back into a cadence of at least one video a week, maybe two. That's where I feel like my, I don't know, I get into a rhythm. It really, my flow starts kicking back in. I, my editing flow works. Uh, but right now I've been kind of distracted by the house renovation and, uh, we're still kind of moving and my real job and there's been a lot going on. So, you know, YouTube has kind of taken the back seat for a minute, but I do have big plans to, you know, get more, uh, more involved, more content will be coming very soon. Don't worry. Anyways, uh, some of the new stuff that has come in the door that you will probably see reviews about on YouTube. First of all, we got the Tracksmith Elliott Runner Road Shoe. This one's really interesting. So, you know, my channel is mainly around trail running and hiking and stuff and being in the woods, but I am a road runner. Um, you know, the unfortunate truth is that I live in the suburbs, so I spend a lot of time road running. Otherwise, I would never run because there's a lot of roads around here. Um, so the, the Tracksmith Elliott Runner is a $200 shoe, $198. And it's really different. Uh, first of all, it's a pretty big stack height for me. It's a nine millimeter drop, which is not a shoe that I'd typically be interested in. However, I did find that this particular shoe was incredibly comfortable on my foot. Uh, they use a mix of Pebax or P-Bax rubber in the midsole, which is very springy and, and squishy and has really good energy return. It's very comfortable. And the insole they used is also really nice as well. You know, when you typically buy a pair of shoes, you get like a real crappy insole. It's like a little thin piece of cardboard that really doesn't do much. I hate those. Tracksmith used a really high quality insole, which is very different than a lot of the competition. And another thing about this shoe is that it looks different. It doesn't, it's not like a neon green athletic looking shoe. This is like an off-white shoe with a, like a bone color to it and an ivory color to it in some navy blue accents. So it actually looks like a pretty casual shoe. Like I've been wearing it to work and stuff because it looks pretty cool. It's pretty different and I've been enjoying it. Um, running wise though, it, the stack height is a little bit high for me. Nine millimeters, a little bit out of my comfort zone. I'm more of a zero or like under five kind of guy. So that's been kind of weird. The, the cushion in comfort running is very good, but it's, yeah, it's that stack stack height. That's get, that gets me. Um, but overall pretty interesting shoe. And I'll try to get a review about that soon. Another new shoe that came in the door is the Ultra Lone Peak 7.0. Kind of a big deal for me because I'm a longtime Lone Peak user. And this one feels like a really good upgrade. They slimmed it down, made it a little bit more minimalistic, made it lighter, um, less, you know, frills, and just kind of went down to brass tacks. And I really like it. 
The midsole feels a little bit more squishy than the old one, which I like. Good traction. And overall, the shoe has impressed me so far, but I haven't spent a ton of time on the trails with it. So I'm going to hold my judgment for when I get more time on the trails with it. Another new item that came in the door is the Sunto Nine Peak Pro. I've had a lot of requests for this watch uh, to review the, the Sunto Nine Peak Pro, and that will be coming very soon. Now, what's different about the Nine Peak Pro? Well, they beefed it up a little bit. They basically took the Sunto Nine Peak, put a faster processor in it, updated the graphics and interface a little bit, put a new GPS chipset in it, and a new um, chipset in general, like a new computer inside that's more power efficient. So you get better battery life, better GPS accuracy, and a more responsive interface. However, it is more money. So there's that. But generally speaking, I think, you know, I think it's a pretty good upgrade. And uh, you're going to have to stick around for my review on YouTube for my full, full in-depth review on the Sunto 9 Peak Pro. That's the new stuff that came in the door recently. Another topic I want to talk about in this podcast today is what 100 miler am I signing up for in 2023? <sighs> so this has been a real source of anxiety for me. Basically, like two months ago, I started shopping around for 100 milers. At first, I was like, I want to do like a destination race and travel, maybe Colorado, maybe California or something, you know, to one of those bigger name ultra marathons. Now, I dragged my feet too much. I was too uh, procrastinating. I, I wasn't making up my mind. And I ended up missing the boat on a lot of races. I signed up for Western states, but I didn't get cut for the lottery. Uh, I waited too long for Leadville. And uh, there were a couple others that I was thinking about, but they already passed. So now I'm left wondering what to do. Now, the timing of this is pretty interesting because today is actually the last day. The day I'm recording this, which is uh, January 19th, is the last day that I can register for the Vermont 100. The Vermont 100 is a race I've run before. I ran it last year. Um, I've tried to run it before and failed. I completed it last year. And now I'm wondering, do I just go back and do that? Because it's local, you know, it's a two-hour drive away. It's a beautiful course. It's a great event. Um, so, yeah, now I'm sitting here like I basically have until midnight to make up my mind on whether or not I sign up. I've been considering just signing up and accepting that if I find something else, I will uh, forfeit my $350 registration fee. But that's not ideal. So I'm really trying to make up my mind on that. If you're listening, although this will, it'll probably be too late, but if I somehow post this today and you're listening and you have a suggestion for me, hit me up in the DMs and let me know what 100 miler you think I should run this year. Because time is ticking. And if you're a race director and you you have a way to get me into your race that lottery or registration is already closed on, you know, maybe hit me up on that too. <laughs> really long shot there, but but I thought I'd throw it out there. Okay, now it's time to hop into the news. I've got I've only got a few pieces of news today. There's been a lot going on in the world of fitness tech and wearables and um, running stuff in general. 
but I just picked a few pieces. Uh, first of all, there was some news about Fitbit. I honestly haven't researched this too much. I only have like a note. Basically, it seems like Fitbit is adding features to the new their new devices, but removing them from some of their old ones. I don't know a lot about this, but I, I have a feeling it's due to the acquisition from Google. So basically, Google is allowing users of the Fitbit, I believe it's the Sense, the newer watches, to install apps from Wear OS in some weird way, but you're limited to one app or tile from the Wear OS store. I believe it's how it's working. Again, I haven't done a ton of research on this and I don't actually have one of the new Fitbits to test this out. But I thought, you know, I saw this in the headlines. I've been hearing a lot of people talking about this, so I thought it was worth mentioning. And on the flip side, I've heard that Google users or Google Fitbit users are are losing some functionality on older Fitbit devices. And I guess this is a way to for Fitbit to try to get people onto newer devices. Anyway, this all feels very weird to me and kind of slimy in a way. I hope it's not, you know, their motive is to like de deprecate some of their older stuff and to try to drive people into newer stuff. But that's certainly the way it sounds for me. Uh, if you've got any insight on this, let me know on Instagram. Shoot me a DM. I've also got a couple of pieces of news from Garmin. Uh, first of all, is one that's actually not a rumor. So this is kind of a big deal. Garmin has FDA approval for an ECG sensor and algorithm in their wearable watches. Wearable watches? Of course they're wearable. So why is this a big deal? Well, because Apple and Fitbit and some other brands like Koros even all have ECG sensors or electrocardiograms built into their wearable, you know, in their watches and their smartwatches. And it's been that way for a while. And Garmin has, hasn't really taken that plunge yet. But this FDA approval means that they are taking the plunge. And what I'm a little confused about with this is if existing hardware, like the Garmin Phoenix 7, the Epix Gen 2, uh, the Forerunner 955, I wonder if they've secretly like added that hardware, added that ECG sensor within the watch without telling people, and then they plan to roll out an update to enable it, or... On the other hand, it could be that only new devices get it. I'm not totally sure. I hope it's the former and that we, you know, all existing users of some of the higher end devices from Garmin get this update, but it's unclear. It could be that it's their next, next big feature on the next line of watches, but I, I certainly hope not. In either case, it is approved by the FDA, which is a big deal, and so it kind of goes without saying that we're probably going to see it in the near future. Again, I have no insight on this. I, I'm just a guy reading headlines on the internet, just like you. Uh, but I thought it was worth mentioning. Garmin hasn't said anything to me directly, and I wouldn't be able to re repeat that to you, even if they did. Uh, but I thought this was interesting. Now, the next piece of Garmin news is, in fact, a rumor. This is This comes from the 5K Runners website. And he has a, a source that says... Garmin wireless charging is going to be coming to the next iteration of watches. So it'll be some form of Qi wireless charging, um, similar to what, you know, Apple does and in some other brands. I think this would be kind of a big deal because right now we, we've got those like five prong uh, pogo pin chargers, which are fine. 
but they do wear out over time. They are a contact point. It is a weakness, you know, in terms of durability and longevity and wireless charging tech has come a long way, you know? So I think it would be a good move for Garmin and it would eliminate an opening in the back of the watch, which is good for durability. This again is a rumor and I'm not sure what device might get this in the future, but it's something that we'll have to keep our eyes peeled for. Okay, final piece of news today. This is going to be a big one. Controversial topic. Strava. The big one out there. Strava. Everybody has a Strava account. And Strava has increased their pricing. By how much, you ask? Well, I don't know, and neither do you. (laughs) So pricing is going to vary on Strava now. So right now, I, I live in the USA, and my account is, I think, eight $7.99 a month for the paid platform. Um, and, you know, if you're on a free, if you're a free user, don't worry about this. This won't affect you at all. But if you are a paid user like myself, this could affect you. Uh, basically, depending on what country you live in will determine how much your Strava price will go up up by. And this affects both monthly users and yearly users to different degrees. This is really weird. So if you watch uh, Rainmaker, DC Rainmaker, he's got a whole video about this. He outlines it in a lot of detail, but it really comes down to where you live and how long you've been a Strava member for. And that'll determine your pricing moving forward. And it's really hard to know like how much it's going to go up or if it's going to change at all, unless you do a little research on your own account. Basically you have to go, if you're an iPhone user, an Apple user, you can go into your, you know, iOS app settings and go to the subscriptions tab and it'll actually show you what your next bill will be. And you'll be able to see exactly how much your price is going to go up for. If you're not, if you're billed directly from Strava, you'll have to log into Strava and look at your upcoming invoices and past invoices to see how much your account is going to go up by. To be honest, this whole thing is very shady. Uh, Strava made no public claims about this. They didn't send out an email. They don't have a newsletter going out. There's really no information about the price increase. And, you know, listen, I I get price increases. In fact, I I would even understand it from Strava's perspective because their model, they did this in a very strategic way. You know, at first, Strava years ago was basically all free. Then they introduced the paid tier. Then they started adding things in like creating routes and courses and, um, you know, fitness feedback and workout things and, you know, a whole bunch of features that you can get if you pay a small, small monthly fee. In, you know, the world we live in, we live in an inflating world. Pricing is going up on everything. And, With Strava, they did this in a very strategic fashion where they tried to give it to you for free for a while, and now they've matured to a point where they have enough users where they're like the de facto, you know, if you're a runner or you're a cyclist or anything like that, you're going to be on Strava. That's where everybody is. Um, So they're, they're increasing their pricing, which I'm fine with. What I'm not fine with is their lack of communication with the pricing in the fact that they seem like they're almost hiding it, like hoping people won't notice. Like, you know, you'll get your your subscri- subscription will renew. It'll only be a couple of dollars more a month. Um, and you'll just kind of keep, keep moving forward. What I fear for Strava is that people will notice. And not only will they notice, 
they're going to cancel, you know, like people are going to realize, Hey, maybe I don't need all these paid features. I'm just going to go back down to the free plan, which still exists. You know, my wife has been on the free plan forever and she doesn't care about all the other features. So why would she upgrade? You know what I mean? Especially now with the pricing going up. And for me, you know, I only have a paid account literally for YouTube, for podcasting, because I need to be able to test certain things, certain features on these devices. Um, honestly, I don't really use the paid features of Strava all that often. So if I wasn't in a position where, you know, I have to test these things and have the premium access, I probably would go back to a free plan, especially if my price went up. Anyways, I don't know how you feel about this. I'm, I'm a little concerned for Strava. I like Strava. I'm just worried what this could spell, what this could mean for them. And I think it also presents an opportunity for another company that's kind of like Strava to move in because their prices are getting up there. I heard in some areas it's getting up to like 10, 11 bucks a month. And you know, what if another company, another company just swept in and was like, Hey, we're kind of like Strava, but we're $4 a month. What would that do to their, you know, if there wasn't right now, they basically don't have competition, you know, they're kind of the only social media platform for runners and cyclists. But if there was competition, I fear they would have to make some decisions <laughs> on how to keep their users. Anyways, that's all I'm going to say about Strava. It's a weird thing that they've done, but it is what it is. Okay. Now it's time to move right into listener Q and a, so listener Q and a is exactly what it sounds like. Basically I go on Instagram and I post an Instagram story with one of those question boxes. And I say, ask me anything for the next podcast episode. And then I get a bunch of responses and I read them out aloud here without any preparation. I read them on the fly and answer them in real time. So some of the answers probably suck. Some might be useful. Hopefully all of them are useful. That's up to you to decide. In either case, if you want to have your question answered on the show, follow me on Instagram at chase the summit at sign chase the summit and watch out for that upcoming post. And if you don't see that post, just go ahead and DM me your question and I'll include it anyways. And if you don't have Instagram, that's okay too. Just go over to my website, chasesummit.com slash contact and send me a message through there and I'll include you in the Q&A. Okay, first up, first question is from Andrew. <laughs> he says, I just want to know if your toe is okay. Thanks for the concern, Andrew. My toe is okay. I already talked about it earlier in this podcast. It's a little sore. It's really just a psychological prob problem at this point because I'm not running, uh, but we'll get there. Next question. A Mets, do you prefer the Epix Gen 2 or the Garmin Enduro 2 for daily driver? Also, which headlamp is your favorite? <laughs> Those are two different questions. So Epix 2 versus Enduro 2. They're kind of a draw for me. It really depends what you're doing. If you run ultra marathons or you're a backpack packer or hiker, somebody who needs tremendously long battery life, I would go for the Enduro 2. If you are a, uh, even ultra runner and you like AMOLED displays 
and you're a triathlete or a swimmer or something like that, the Epix Gen 2 is a great watch as well. The real difference is you get more battery life on the Enduro 2 than the Epix Gen 2. The Epix Gen 2, you get that beautiful OLED display, which is great for daily life. Um, you know, reading texts, text messages, it looks more modern because of that OLED display. You know, just checking your weather is more enjoyable than on the transflective display, but they're both great. It really comes down to your use case. Another consideration is that the Enduro 2 only comes in that bigger 51 millimeter form factor where the Epix Gen 2 comes in the 47 millimeter form factor. So if you're not a big watch kind of person, uh, that might make up your decision right there. Second part to that question, which headlamp do you like? I like a lot of headlamps. So two, I'll give you two of my favorites right now. One is the BioLite 800, uh, 800 lumens. It's got a blinking red light on the back of it, which I really love because I don't have to grab like two, two things to go run. I just have to grab one thing and I get both a visibility light and a headlamp in one. That's the BioLite 800. And then on top of that, I like the um, Nightcore UL25, I think it's called. This is like a super minimal headlamp. It's basically like a piece of shock cord with a light attached to it. And why I like this is because it's crazy light. It weighs almost nothing. It takes up no space in your bag. And it's like the ultimate uh, backup light. So if you're going for a long hike or a trail run and you've got your main headlamp, it's always good to have a backup. And you don't want your backup to be like super big or heavy to weigh you down. This is the perfect situation for that. Throw it in your bag. It's also pretty affordable. It's like 29 bucks. Um, and I've been really liking that as well. And it's re rechargeable. So you don't have to carry around batteries with you. Next question is from Colorado Wild. Did you pick a 100 mile ultra marathon yet? <laughs> well, I already covered this in the podcast, but no, no, I haven't. I'm probably going to sign up for Vermont. I've been flip flopping on that, but yeah, I haven't really picked one yet. I'm probably going to do two. So I'm probably going to do one like early summer, June, July, and then later summer, maybe fall. But yeah, it's kind of up in the air still. Luke Scott Peck says, do you have any interest in participating in obstacle races like Spartan? Uh, not really. <laughs> I guess they're kind of cool. I don't know what it is for me. They just feel very like commercialized at this point. I don't know, but I've heard they're really hard. And then there's like that ultra Spartan that goes on for like a whole day. That seems really cool. I guess, you know, I should say I should try it before, before I should say no. Maybe I'll try like a short one, like a 5k and see what that's all about and then go from there. But, uh, right now I really only have room for, for one hobby and that is ultra running. Next question is from run pebbles. Favorite areas to run that aren't too technical. I'm having a hard time finding smooth long runs in this area. I hope you mean in the new England or Massachusetts area. Cause that's all I can really help with for me. If I want to get a long, easy run in, I head over to uh, Great Brook Farm in Carlisle, Mass. 90% of my listeners won't care about that because <laughs> you're probably not from Mass. Uh, but Great Brook Farm has a lot of easy trails, pretty mellow, pretty flat, a lot of fun uh, and beautiful in the right season. You know, fall, summer, it's really fun. Check that out. Next question is from Runner King Lynn. Are you testing the rumored Foreigner 965 with AMOLED? Ooh, wouldn't that be cool? Well, I don't, 
I, I, I'm not. And if I was, I wouldn't be able to tell you. So take that for what it's worth. Next question. Eddie Cut. Best watch bands for the Garmin Phoenix. Well, it depends which Phoenix, but I will say uh, the best watch bands would be the ones from Garmin. They make really high quality watch bands. Unfortunately, they're very expensive. So I don't even buy those because they're like 50 bucks for a rubber band. So I I use a, a brand from Amazon. They basically make knockoff items, which I don't know. I, I guess I don't love that, but they do look like Garmin bands. Uh, a, a band called a brand called Ancool, A-N-C-O-O-L. They're like $10. I've had one for several years. I've run ultra marathons with it and it's still holding up. It's still on my wrist right now. So check that out. Next question, send it Brendan. What do you like about the new Hoka Mafate Speeds? Uh, they're awesome. I, they're actually one of my favorite trail running shoes right now. I don't know what it is about them. They're, they feel light, they feel nimble, but they also have a lot of cushion and their traction is great. Like the outsole is very grippy, even though it doesn't look that way. It's not like super aggressive looking. It's got great traction. And there's something about the feel, like the ride, it's very squishing, like cush, squishened. That's a new word. Very cushioned in a lot of energy return, even though it's a pretty big stack. Um, yeah, I really like them. I would suggest checking them out. Also, another nice thing about the Mafate Speeds is the fit. I've got rather wide feet, and they're one of the few pairs of Hokas that fit me really well. So, yeah, I've been really enjoying them. I ran my last 50K in them, and I loved them. So check them out. Next question. Uh, do you have any suggestions about books for running? The only one I can suggest, basically, I, I'm not I'm not going to lie. I'm not a big reader because I don't have a lot of time to sit, sit down and read a book. Uh, but the one I did really enjoy was Scott Jurek's North. It's about his adventure uh, trying to get the FKT on the Appalachian Trail going northbound. Really interesting book. There's actually a great audio uh, audiobook version of it, too. That's worth checking out. Uh, but yeah, I really, I really enjoyed that book. Next question, James Phoenix, how do you layer for New England running? That's tough. It really depends on the situation, like what kind of conditions I'm going out in. Uh, but moral of the story is I will layer quite a bit. So if it's crazy cold, like, you know, 10 below zero, I'll have a base layer, a mid layer that's insulating, uh, I might throw on a wind shell, like a Patagonia Houdini or something like that. And if it's really, really cold, I might add a second mid-layer. And when I run, I'll wear my vest. So if I st start to get too warm, I can dump a layer in my backpack and keep running. Because I find layering adds the most versatility rather than just putting like one thick layer on top. Uh, that's the way I roll. But if there's moisture out there, I will carry, I'll kind of do the same thing, but I'll add in a really lightweight rain shell, like the Outdoor Research Helium 2. And that just goes over everything to try to add some protection. Um, yeah, that's the best I can offer. In terms of my legs, I tend to wear, if it's again, if it's really, really cold, I'll put in a base layer. That's like a pair of tights, you know, thermal tights. And I'll put my Lululemon uh, surge hybrid pants over that. And in terms of socks, I like to wear pretty thick wool socks from a brand called minus 33. 
They're actually a local brand here in New England. I think they're based out of Vermont or New Hampshire. Um, but yeah, they make really great socks, you know, hundred percent wool, very warm. And I'll, I'll tie my shoes pretty loose to fit in, uh, you know, the bigger socks. Hope, hope that's helpful. Next question from Parker Kurth. What is your one mile PR? This is going to be embarrassing because listen, I'm not a fast runner. I believe my one mile PR is like five fifty, five minutes, 50 seconds. And that was a couple of years ago when I was in better shape. Uh, my one mile PR right now is probably like, you know, I don't know, like six twenty, <laughs> something like that. If I was on a track all out, uh, yeah, I got to get back into shape. So that is it. <laughs> uh, feel the need. It's snowing outside. Do you run outside or do you hit the treadmill? This sounds like a circumstance question. Hmm. It really depends. So if it's cold outside and snowing, I'd actually prefer that rather than like mid thirties Fahrenheit and snowing because then I'll get wet. So basically if it's a dry snow, if it's like 20 and snowing, I would run outside. If it's a wet snow, I'll run inside. And the other thing is like, depends on the run too. I don't really love road running in the snow just because of safety reasons. Um, you know, people having trouble with their cars sliding, things like that. I don't want to get hit by a car. So depending on the situation, I may or may not opt to hit the treadmill, but if it's a trail run, I'd probably just go for it. Next question from Vasco Diaz, something off topic. Oh no, this is a different wrong question. Vasco Diaz says tips on getting your gut accustomed to eating food while you're running. It hasn't been pretty for me. Ooh, that's tough. And it's hard for me to give you suggestions because I got lucky and I've got kind of an iron stomach so I can eat just about anything and go for a run and not have to worry about like having GI issues. And I know a lot of people have issues. My wife is very sensitive to that stuff. So when she runs an ultra with me, and she's at the aid station. She's very careful about what she's consuming because she doesn't want to get sick. Uh, if you're in that kind of situation, I would say go with the trial and error route. You know, if you find a food that really doesn't agree with you, avoid it. You know what I mean? Like if it turns out bananas make you sick, don't eat them. And, you know, move on to something else. And maybe just try adding something new to your rotation uh, during your practice runs to see which one works best for you. And then keep going with that. And sadly, there's no answer here because everyone's like gut biome is different. Everybody's going to respond differently. And, you know, for one person, it might be like jelly beans and Coca-Cola that goes down great during a run where it may make the other person very sick. And, you know, another person might like having real food, like a grilled cheese in the middle of a run. And for me, that might not work out so well. So unfortunately, it's all about learning your body and practicing on your own trial runs, you know, take a different food with you in the bag before you go for a run and see which out, what, see what works best for you. Um, unfortunately, that's the best advice I could give you. Okay. Next question from Torbjorn HB. Something a little bit off topic. What is your favorite movie, podcast, music, TV series, food, and time of year? Ooh, that's a big question. Okay. Let's start with movie. Uh, favorite movie. Hmm, that's really hard. I feel like I haven't seen 
a good movie in a really long time. Hmm. I, you know what? A long time ago, I used to love the movie, the crow. <laughs> I don't know why it's a very dramatic, uh, emotional movie. That was one of my favorites. Um, I like some of the classics like, you know, reservoir dogs or, uh, yeah, I don't know. I like some of those like older gangster, you know, movies like the Godfather, things like that. But like modern day, I don't know. Like, I guess I like a lot of adventure movies. Uh, the Alpinist on Netflix has been really, I've watched that a few times. I really like that movie. Um, into the void uh, or touching the void rather is another really good one on Netflix uh, about a climbing team that had an accident. Uh, they had to cut the rope. A guy fell into a crevasse. I've watched that a bunch of times. Basically, if there's a movie that involves mountains and good scenery, um, I'll probably be into it. Another good one on Netflix was uh, River Runner. Oh, man, I really like that. I'm not even into kayaking, but that was a really cool, really cool movie. Very adventurous. And then I will say one movie I really liked uh, from a few years ago. Oh, man, I forget the name of it. About... Uh, the, the guy who went out into Alaska and he lived in a school bus, the magic school bus, and his last name was McCandless. I forget the name of the movie, but if you know it, you're piecing it together. Uh, he went out to Alaska and he basically tried to live off the land, but ultimately ended up dying. Really sad. True story. Uh, that was one of my favorite movies of all time as well. Uh, what else? Oh, yeah. Music. For music, I don't really have a favorite band or genre. I love so many different kinds of music that it's hard for me to nail that down. I like electronic music, like upbeat stuff. I like heavy metal and screamy music and things like that. Um, but essentially I'm not big on like the top 10, top 20 pop kind of songs. I'm really into like niche metal or screamy electronic music. I don't know if that answers your question. I guess one, one band that has stuck around for me, uh, for a long time that I like, there's a band called Thrice. Um, I've seen them live a few times and, you know, I really enjoy their music. So yeah, I guess that's music. Favorite podcast. Um, I've got a few. So I really like uh, the Tiger, Pe Tiger Belly podcast with Bobby Lee. He's a comedian. I don't know why I like it. I just find it entertaining and it's kind of like easy for me to turn my brain off and listen to it. Uh, I occasionally listen to the Joe Rogan podcast do do with that information what you will. I know a lot of people hate him, but he's got some really interesting guests on there. So sometimes I'll listen to that. And I also listen to a handful of running podcasts like um, Swap Some Work I'll Play, uh, The Adventure Jogger, uh, Training for Ultra Podcast is a good one. I don't know. I, I have a lot in my rotation, but those are some to name a few. Uh, what's the next one? Favorite TV series? Honestly, I never watch TV at all. I basically just watch Netflix. So I don't really have one. I guess if I had to pick one, I would, I would pick the office from years ago. That's still a really funny show and I can still watch reruns of that favorite food. I will go with, um, Thai food. I really like Thai curry, green, uh, emerald curry with rice, with chicken or sushi. I really like sushi, like good sushi, not like grocery store sushi. Those are two of my favorites. And the last last one part of this question was favorite time of year. Uh, I guess I would go with summer. 
it's kind of, you know, what everyone says, but I, I really enjoy the summer. I like running in warm weather. Yeah. I guess I live in the wrong area for that because <laughs> it's not, summer doesn't last very long here in the Northeast. Next question from the low, the low caster locuster. I don't know. It's the best I can do with that name. What is one watch you wish you used more, but ex- inexplicably don't? That's a weird question, but I guess I get it. So one watch I wish I used more, but don't for unknown reasons. I guess I would say the Apple watch ultra. I really love that watch. It made my top two like biggest, you know, greatest watches of the year on the video I posted a little while back. Uh, it's got so many good features. It's really nice. It looks nice. It's great, great to use on a day-to-day basis, but I don't find myself putting it on every day. And I think it's because of the battery life. Like I just get annoyed when I have to charge a watch every, every day or every other day, I just end up not charging it and putting back on a Garmin or a Koros or something like that. So yeah, I guess I would say the Apple watch ultra next question from Solange Solange, uh, Phoenix six S is it better than the foreigner Two Fifty Five? better? No different. Yes. So it really depends what you're doing. If you need mapping and navigation, and all the features you get with a Phoenix watch, I would still say the Phoenix 6S has some advantages. It's also made out of metal and has a sapphire display if you go for that model. Where the 255 is a plastic watch with a glass display, um, it's less durable, but it is lighter. So there's that. However, it does not have full blown mapping and navigation, and it's missing a few other features that the 6S has. On the other hand, the 255 does have all the new features like HRV status, although the Phoenix 6 just got that in a firmware update. And you also get like the race calendar widget and a few other things on the 255 that you don't get on the Phoenix 6. So I would say unless you really need mapping, if you need maps and navigation, go for the Phoenix. If you don't, the 255 makes a good option because it basically does everything else. Um, it just doesn't have mapping. Next question from Creaking Creakling two one two three four. Is risk of injury higher on full marathon versus half marathon? Question mark. Um, yes, I would say. Uh, you know, I'm not a doctor or a coach or anything, so I'm hesitant to answer questions like this, but I will anyways because I just put that disclaimer out there. I would say just because of the sheer the sheer mileage involved in running a full marathon or training up to it your risk of injury is higher. Anytime you increase distance and intensity, you're going to end up increasing your risk of injury. So I would say for sure, a full marathon is going to be a higher risk of injury compared to a half marathon. How much more? Probably not double, you know, maybe like a 20% more uh, increased risk, but I don't really know that metric. Hopefully that was helpful. We got C Jackson 613. Thoughts on the latest Strava price increase? Like I said, I do not filter these questions. So I already answered this question. However, he does have a second half to this question. Are you any closer to finding a destination race for this year? Like I said before, still working on it. Probably going to end up at Vermont again. I don't really know. Hopefully, uh, hopefully I can figure that out. If you have a suggestion for me, shoot me an Instagram DM. Okay, final question from the Q&A is from Torbjorn HB. 
If the Apple Watch Ultra had the same battery life as the Phoenix 7, which would you choose? Oh, that's a really hard question. So if the Apple Watch Ultra could last for two weeks on a charge, that would be a real game changer. They would have, I feel like they would have sold millions of those. Well, they probably did sell millions, but they would have sold a lot more of them uh, to Garmin, Koro, Sunto, Polar users because that I think that's the main gripe for a lot of people. When it comes to me, though, I think it still has a couple of shortcomings out of the box, like the mapping and navigation isn't as good as Garmin, even with third-party apps. I haven't found an app yet that can do on-the-fly routing, like if you're out in the wild and you want to get to the summit of a mountain and you want turn-by-turn directions, your Garmin can do that, but Apple Watch Ultra cannot do that, unless I haven't found that app yet. And if that app exists, let me know. Uh, But there are, you know, like, the wellness features, the body battery isn't there. Uh, there's apps for that too, but it all feels like kind of patchwork together when you start using third-party apps. I guess I would still wear the Garmin, but I wish, I don't know. There's so much I love about the Apple Watch Ultra that I wish I could make that my, my main gig, my main watch. Maybe it will. Maybe I just need to find the right apps. Hope I answered that question appropriately okay friends we've reached the end of this podcast we're coming up on an hour of recording now i want to thank you for tuning in and sticking with me all the way to the end here and again i want to give a huge huge shout out to the patreon members and youtube members that help support this podcast and the youtube channel it means a lot and if you want to become part of the elite group that is the patreons uh check out the link at the bottom of the show notes to hop over there. Like I said, I'm going to be adding a lot more content and hopefully we can form a little community over there and that would be great. That's all I've got for this one. I hope you enjoyed this podcast and if you did, make sure to give me a rating on your podcast platform of choice. That could be Spotify, Apple, uh, Deezer, whatever, whatever you're listening on. Make sure you give me a five-star rating and hop into the comments. If you use the Apple podcast, let me know what you like about the podcast give it a five-star rating. Let me let people know. Share it with your friends and family. Let's grow this thing. All right, friends. I hope you enjoyed this podcast and I'll see you again or you'll hear me again next week. Bye.